Isn't that a cool video? <clears throat> Man. Well, happy Father's Day. So glad that you decided to join us and make this a part of your Father's Day celebration. We're happy that you're here. I'm Caleb Anderson. If we haven't met yet, I hope to meet you. Uh, how many of you do like traditions around Father's Day? Anybody or any, anyone doing anything fun already or planning anything fun that's coming up shortly? What you got? Fish fry. Fish fry? Okay. That's, that's cool. Anything else? Anything fun? Jurassic World. I hear good things. I hear good things about that movie. Uh, how many of you know this weekend there's fun things going on in Huntington Beach? Did you know that there was a Guinness Book of World Records thing set out down there at the pier? 40 foot long surfboard, 60 surfers on this board. Yeah, I just saw the photos and then I was driving on Ellis, I think, and the board actually passed me on the other opposite side of the street, this massive, massive surfboard. So that was cool. Uh, we also, a great, fun, exciting thing that happened this weekend was we had a rooted celebration on Friday night. And somewhere around like 110 people from our church participated in rooted, and we celebrated that Friday night, the completion of that. And a number of you were baptized. And that was so exciting. Uh, there's nothing better than changed lives. And so congratulations, those of you who participated. Such a privilege to be a part of that. If you haven't done Rooted yet, you must plan on it in the fall, okay? Enjoy the next couple of months, but sign up. Make sure that you're thinking ahead and uh, planning for September to join us in Rooted. Guys, this is a different, slightly kind of service, just slightly, because we've got beards and we've got things like that. But, but typically, when I am putting messages together, I'm always thinking in my mind how we take insight, how we take observations, how we take truth from Scripture, from God's Word, from life in general, and, uh, and then actually apply it and take action and do something, right? Because I'm convinced that only action leads to behavior change, that belief must inform behavior, and that's how things actually change. So, so we're talking about that all the time. But today's a little bit of an exception, because strategically, this message, I want it to be just simply about one thing, receiving. I don't want you to feel any expectation that you have to do anything today. This is not about that. This is simply about you receiving, you hearing, you listening, you receiving this morning. Guys in general are fixers, doers, coachers. We want to just see, see a problem, fix it, make it happen. I, I, I want this to be about you just listening for you. We're in a series called Listen. We've talked about listening with our eyes, with our ears, uh, with our gut, or, or how that connects to God's spirit. Uh, and today we're talking about how to listen like a child. The famous inventor of the Muppets, Jim Henson, said this, The most sophisticated people I know, inside, they are all children. You're a kid. Now, you might have more like weathered and leathered skin, but you're a child on the inside. You might be a stud. You might be you know, in your 80s. You might be skeptical. You might be all kinds of things, but underneath it all, you're a kid. You are a kid. We all are children at heart. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He also said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like, a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
We're all children at heart, and it's a good thing. Embrace it. In fact, Jesus says, be even more childlike. Lean into that. There's something for you there. That somehow, that growing up is not a spiritual advantage, but to embrace your childlike nature. And I want you to hear that today. I want to talk to that child today. And not even me talking, but I want you to let God speak to you. Let your heavenly Father speak to you this morning. And we're going to look to the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. A few verses from Romans. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he was writing to people in Rome, hence Romans, right? Rome was the center of the empire. It was said in that day that all roads lead to Rome, that everything happened. It was the, it was the epicenter of life in that day, and it was incredibly densely populated, very well organized, very systematic, impressive for that era. There was already a church there. People had been spreading the word about this Jesus, and there were probably several churches in the city of Rome, and Paul is writing to them. He's saying, I'm going to come and visit you. I'm on my way to Spain. I'm going to stop in Rome, and I'm going to visit you, and here's what I want you to know in preparation for my arrival. Lots of the people that he's writing to are Jewish. There were a lot of Jewish people in Rome at the time, but there are even more what they call Gentiles, which is kind of non-religious, non-Jewish types of people. So there are people that had grown up doing the church thing. They knew all the right answers. They had memorized Bible verses. They got it. They were on board. They understood the thing, how to do the thing, not to do the thing, and all that. They were, they were religious people. And then there were a whole bunch more of people who didn't grow up that way, and this whole Jesus thing was new. And so they were figuring out as they went, just, I, I, you know, this seems miraculous. I want to be a part of that. And so it's this mixture of religious background, non-religious background, trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, just like the people that are in this room. Lots of people in this room who have zero church background, who did not grow up doing the church thing, who don't feel like you got all the stuff memorized, who kind of wonder if you belonged when you walked in the first time, right? There's a lot of us like that. And there are also a number of us who have grown up and we've seen it all, done it all, been there, and we think we've heard every message on everything, and we have just grown up. It's a mixture just like in this room. Those are the kinds of people that Paul is addressing and he's writing to. So we're going to pick up a few verses from chapter 8. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. We now call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So I want to take a few phrases out of that and just break them down for you, starting with this one. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Now, obviously, in this time and in this place, people who are trying to follow Jesus were also wrestling with fear and doubt and insecurity, right? 
Otherwise, why would Paul address that? There's people that are struggling with fear. There's people that are bound by anxiety. There's people that want to follow Jesus, but they're just so burdened down by the fears of the world and the, and the regrets of their past and the fears of the future, and they're just like, I don't know if I can do this, right? So Paul is writing to people like that, and we can relate, because I think all of us wrestle with fear at some level. All of us wrestle with anxiety or, or insecurity at some level on the spectrum. And Paul is saying, you don't need to. That that spirit of fear is not from God. Now, it might come, it might come from our upbringing, right? We're not going to bash dads today. That's not what this is about. But it's important that we recognize that we have stuff in us, and it probably comes from back here earlier in life. And there might be tapes that play in our minds, things that were said or spoken over us that, we, that just haunt us, that we can't get rid of that have created some kind of deep fear or anxiety in our hearts and lives. And we just need to be real about that and understand that that exists and that we functionally hear through a filter. And when we hear, we think that we're hearing God and we're actually hearing these voices from our past. And so we need to be aware of that. Mine, if, if you were to ask me growing up, I mean, since, probably since... 16 years old, and still I wrestle with this today, but it was really bad in my 20s. If you were to ask me what my greatest fear was, right on the tip of my tongue, I would have said, not reaching my potential. Because I grew up oldest of three boys in my family, and then 11 grandkids, and then uh, a bunch of people that worked for my dad, and then uh, captain of all the sports teams, and I continuously had expectation placed on me. And it was more placed on myself than anything else. And I just had this thing that was like, I'm never going to be as good as I should be. To whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given, much is expected. Ah, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm, am I ever going to reach my potential? How far am I supposed to go? I don't measure up to those people. Am I a disappointment? And so that was a fear that was kind of underneath the surface in my life all the time. But let's be really clear. Those fears, those insecurities are not from God. Paul's trying to make it really, really clear and easy to understand. Those, that spirit of fear is not from God. That's something else. He goes on, indeed, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. So those voices that you hear, the fear that you sense, that is not from God. That's not God's Spirit speaking to you. In fact, it's the opposite. God's Spirit says different things. God's Spirit adopted, God adopted you as his own children. And he allows you to call him Abba, Father. Which literally, Jesus is speaking in Aramaic. What it literally means is just like Daddy. Daddy. It's an intimate term. Just like if you have a kid or if you have a dad, you're just like, Daddy, you know, I need you. Daddy, give me this. Daddy, come play. It's that kind of personal relationship that God says you can have with me. Verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirits to affirm. His spirit affirms that we are his children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of the glory of God. What is it to be an heir? How do you, you inherit? 
right? When you're an heir, dad, grandparents, whatever, you inherit. You're passed down to, not based on your performance, based on your bloodline. If there's a king and he dies, the next, the oldest son underneath him is the king. It doesn't matter if he gets straight A's or not. You're just, you're the next one up because it's in the family. And God says, it's just like that with you. You're my kids. You're my family. I love you that way, like a daddy. And you're part of the kingdom. You might not live on the other side of the pond with the prince and Kate, you know, and feel like royalty in that way. But you're even more so a part of the kingdom of God. That's just a temporary thing. You have a castle and a room in a castle for eternity because you're a child of the king of kings. God says it over and over again. You're an heir. You're a child. You're his. He is daddy. Now, one of the reasons why we wrestle with this and believing this is because of the messages that we've heard growing up. And even as I'm saying that to you right now, some of you, it's just kind of bouncing off. And in your mind, intellectually, you're like, maybe, maybe I can get there if I'm willing to go with this whole God and Jesus thing in the first place, then maybe I can get there. But, but I just don't feel it, right? Because we hear through a filter and we see things through a filter. And there's messages that you've been hearing that are messages of the fearful slave from the past. And I think it's important to identify those messages. So I've gave you space in your outline so that you can actually even write down what yours are because yours might be different than mine. Mine was a fear that I would never reach my potential, that I wasn't going to live up to that. What's yours? Maybe never measuring up, not being good enough. Maybe disappointment. You're a disappointment. What are the tapes that play in your head? You're an underachiever. There's nothing special or unique about you. You better just settle and make do. You're damaged goods. You're worthless. You're not really loved. You don't really belong. Or whatever it might be for you. Write that down. I think that's important because we have to identify the lies in order to replace them with truth. Even take a moment right now. Consider what are those lies that play in your mind. They're the lies of fearful slaves. And God says, those aren't the things that I'm whispering to you. You're getting those from somewhere else. You're hearing through a filter, but that's not my voice. Then the next thing to write down is messages of a child. A child of the king. An heir to the king of kings and the lord of lords. You have his DNA. You have his thumbprint on your soul. You were made in his image. You are his child. Just because you don't live in a mansion in CDM or in Huntington Harbor, it doesn't mean you don't have a mansion waiting for you just beyond what we can see. You're a child of the king. What are those messages? My inheritance is yours. Daddy's in control. Dad gives you what you need when you need it. That your value is not based on your job or what you produce. Your value is intrinsic. Nothing can change it. 
You're unconditionally loved. I've got your back. There is a great future for you. You are never alone. Those are the messages that God's Spirit whispers to his children, his heirs, his people, you, you. When I was about five years old, uh, my second little brother was born. So it was me, I was first, then Josh was born when I was about two, and then three years after that, Aaron was born. And uh, I'm living with this reality right now because we have two sons, Jack and Henry, and Jack, when it was just Jack, it was like all about him, right? And now that Henry's born, it's like a little bit of competition. And why is this person taking your attention from me? And when we brought... Henry home from the hospital, Jack was just kind of observing from afar the first day. The second day, Jack said, no more Henry, no more, no more Henry. Uh, as if we could just kind of return him. But that's, that's the way our little childlike hearts feel, right? We want to be significant. We want to be important. And so I had two younger brothers, and I remember planning out my conversation with my dad. And I walked into his study and I said something to the effect of in the, chi- in the f- five-year-old way, I said, you know, there was Josh that was born, which was okay, and then Aaron was, was born, and I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty unhappy about this uh, because, because I, st- I want to be special. And then I asked very specifically th- this question, can I still be your favorite? I've done some therapy since then. Um, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. But that was my little five-year-old heart, you know? And I have a suspicion that it's all of our hearts, that we want to be a favorite, that we want to be special, that we want to be unique, that there's something in us that that believes that we're unique and that we, we are a favorite in somebody's eyes and we're just desperate for that. And I don't remember anything that my dad said in those next moments, but I walked out of there feeling like a million bucks. And did you know that your heavenly father is the one who gives dads like my dad and me and us the capacity to love multiple kids all like our favorite? Did you know that? It's him. It's his way. It's his idea. It's his love. It's his ability. And, and, and our love for our own family members are just a sliver and a glimpse of how much that he loves us. He loves you like his favorite. There's more than just two younger brothers, right? You have 6.9 billion people that you're competing against for his attention. <laughs> and yet, he still loves you like a favorite. He knows every hair on your head. He knows how he created you and for what. He knows what you're going through. He knows your skepticism, your suspicions, your doubts, your fears and insecurities right now. He knows the filter through which you're hearing this message. And he's the one trying to whisper to you and get you to put that filter away and to trust his love. That's your heavenly father. So what filter are you listening through? Some of you are still just hearing, but you're not yet receiving. You're not yet receiving how unique and how special and how loved you are. Maybe it's because of the pain from your past. Maybe it's because of the pressures to perform into the future, feeling like you got to earn it. That was my story. It's not true. That's not God's whisper. That's a spirit of fear and of slavery. 
but he allows you to be a child of the king. And he whispers affirmation that you're his, that you're an heir, that you're with him. And there's nothing that you can do to undo that. There's nothing that my boys can do to undo the fact that they're my boys. Just the same with you. There's nothing that you can do to break that love, that childlike love that he has for you. So one more story about Jack. He's like almost two and a half years old, and he does the cutest thing when he wants my attention. He'll run up and he'll say, Daddy, hold you. Daddy, hold you, hold you, right? And so it's the greatest thing in the world when you get home from work or something. Daddy, hold you. You're like, absolutely. You know, I just snatch him up, and it's just the greatest, the greatest thing. Uh, until last week um, when... <laughs> when I had a bad experience. And we were uh, getting out of the car, and Hillary had Henry, our three-month-old, and some, she was carrying some stuff, and she went into the place where that we were going, and I was trying to get Jack out of his car seat, and I was carrying stuff. And we were parked right up against the curb, and against the curb there was also a lot of uh, shrubbery and uh, a, a large tree with a branch that was like hitting me in the head as I was, like on purpose. I mean, it, was, it just it kept... <laughs> kept finding its way to the back of my head. And I was like, what's going on here? And I'm pulling, I'm pulling Jack out of the car and I'm holding him on my left hand. I'm holding all this stuff in the other hand. I close the door with my elbow and I slip on the curb a little bit. And as, I, as I'm slipping and the branch is hitting me, I, I, I almost drop Jack. Like there's no more weight in this arm. I just grab his ankle as he's falling out of my arm. And he, he didn't even know that his life was almost over. He pops up like, more, more juice? You know, I mean, he, he just thought it was a game that we play. And my heart just sank. And I was like, I almost just dropped my kid face first on this curb. And I was like, oh, just this. <clears throat> Did you know? that you might have a feeling like that in your gut, in your soul, in your heart. You might feel like you were dropped as a kid. Not physically, but emotionally, right? That you, were, that you were let go, that you were let down in some way, and maybe you have the scars of that. Did you know that your Heavenly Father does not drop you? You might not feel Him at this moment, it might feel like he's forgotten you. You might be wrestling with something. You might feel alone. He has not dropped you. He does not drop you. There are all kinds of things that I, in my imperfect ability as a dad, that, that I hold on to over here in this arm and let the most important things slip. You know, I just thought I'd bring you some for an example. This is just me. I'm not saying this is you. This is me. I can hold over here in this arm and too tightly to work. Let's just call this work. And I'm focused and this is, I'm trying to make stuff happen and this is important and I get identity from this and so I, I hold over here and then the most important thing is slipping out of my arms. Or for me, maybe, uh, here's, here's a medal. It's a USC medal for some of you. Um, <laughs> But let's just pretend that this represents achievement, that this represents a status or reputation or, or something like that. And, and sometimes I can hold too tightly onto things like this as if they define me, as if I need them to, to seem like I am somebody in life. And all the time over here, the most important things slipping, slipping, slipping. That's just me. 
Or maybe it's a wallet and it's money and it's money and security and it's, you know, I don't want to be where I was. I want to be in this other place and so I have to do this and I'm holding and I'm figuring out and I'm trying and I'm, and I'm dream boarding and I have to get to that number and, I, and I'm squeezing so tightly to this that what really matters is slipping over here because I'm not perfect and we're not perfect and our parents weren't perfect and yet we have a perfect heavenly father who fills in the gaps. He does not drop you. He can never drop you. Look at what John 10 says. For my father has given you to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch you from the father's hand. He's got you. You are secure. You are held. You are loved. You are cared for, which is good news on multiple fronts. Because we're going to fail our kids in some way. We've been failed by parents in some way. Some severe, some not as severe. But we, no one is perfect. And yet, we have a heavenly father who fills in the gaps. If you're having difficulty receiving and listening to his love this morning, consider this. John 3 says, 16 and 17, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. If you're having difficulty feeling and believing the, the truth about God's love. Just look at that cross and remember that right in the middle of your deepest, darkest, ugliest, worst experience of your life, your biggest failure, sin, brokenness, your deepest doubts, insecurities, when you're falling backwards, when you're hurting that person, when you let those people down, when you were in your darkest place, that's exactly where Jesus showed up and died for you because he loves you that much. Look at the screen, and I want you to fill in these gaps with your name. God sent Jesus into the world not to judge Caleb. Insert your name here. But to save Caleb through him. God sent Jesus into the world not to judge me, but to save me through him. In other words, God the Father let go of his own son, Jesus, because he was holding on to you. Because he loves you that much. That he allowed his own son to die for the sake of us because he couldn't let us go. One final way of looking at this. John 15, 9, in the message paraphrase, says, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. This love is the same. The way, same way he loves me, I love you. Then he says, make yourselves at home in my love. Aren't those beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful idea? Make yourself at home in my love. This is home. This is home with me. Home that's safe home that's secure, home that's restful, home that's peaceful, home where you're known, home where you're loved, home where you're cared for, protected, 
where you don't have to fake it. Make yourself at home in God's love. You know, the only way to really be a great dad is to allow yourself to be loved by a great dad. It's his love that when it fills your heart, it'll fill your home. But it's about receiving the love of your heavenly father that fills in the gaps for the past and that fills in the gaps for your future because he's the one who's perfect and he loves you perfectly. I want to just say a prayer for our men this morning. If you are a man, would you just stand up and we want to pray a blessing specifically over you. Ladies, would you just kind of extend a hand in their direction just to affirm this prayer of blessing? Heavenly Father, it's difficult for us to truly understand how much you love us and what it means that you call us your sons and your daughters. But I pray that you would help us to listen to you as you convey that love to us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that embrace and a spirit that receives. Break through our barriers and our filters and help us to make ourselves at home in your love. Now bless these men with strength for the journey, with courage for the struggle, with discernment for decisions, with patience for the end game, and with perspective for what really matters most. May we be at home in your love, and may we enjoy this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now everybody else stand up too. I want to read something over you. Lori, I'm going to start at verse 13. This is from Psalm 139. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Receive this. Believe this this morning. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be.